What's going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of the Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're safe and sound, and if you are anywhere in the area of the hurricane that has hit the southeastern or southern United States, I hope that you're safe, and I hope that you are protected and well. For everyone else in the world, Happy Monday. Hope today is finding you well. Hope you had a great weekend. It was a massive weekend again in the world of pro wrestling. And we're going to get into all of that in just a few minutes. First and foremost, a big shout out to everybody who joins us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. We really appreciate you hanging with us. Big shout out to everybody who is already subscribed to our podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. It means a lot. If you're not subscribed, go ahead and hit the subscribe button today. You can do that, and you'll find out exactly when we drop new content, and you'll find out before we ever make the social media announcement. So go ahead, be connected so you can hear all of the cool things that we're talking about here on The Faction. So it was a massive weekend, and I'm going to take a cue from what we did last weekend. So last weekend, you guys were amazing in your support of the SummerSlam recap that we did over three parts. We talked about Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and there was a lot that happened, and we just couldn't fit it all into one show, so it just made sense to split it out so we can have the commentary that we needed on it and you guys delivered. So thank you so much for your continued support of all things connected to the faction. So we're gonna take our cue from that and do something similar today with what's going to be a two-part recap of a massive weekend for the NWA. And some may ask, so what in the world happened in the NWA this weekend that requires a two-part response? Well, we're going to talk about that today, as well as some other wrestling action that happened over the weekend. So with that said, I want to start with Friday night. Friday night being SmackDown, SmackDown Live taking place, uh, the first SmackDown post-SummerSlam, and it was very interesting. It was the first SmackDown return of Becky Lynch as the WWE SmackDown Women's Champion. Brock Lesnar is back. What would happen between him and Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman? Lots of things. Well, here's the thing to consider. The ratings are in for SmackDown, and it was a big show. A very big show for SmackDown. SmackDown brought in 2.874 million viewers this week, which is a massive, massive move from last week's viewership. Last week's viewership brought in 2.237 million viewers. So we're talking about a legit 600,000 additional viewers that showed up for SmackDown. Now, why did this happen? Well, for the last two weeks, the overnight ratings were impacted as SmackDown was preempted in at least 24 markets thanks to NFL preseason games that aired on Fox local stations. Now, that number could likely change as the official ratings will come in today, but however you look at it, it was definitely a big, big moment for SmackDown, and it's understandable for sure. First of all, you had a big show. You had Becky Lynch, who was back, and a lot of people were still very upset about what happened to Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. In fact, the groundswell on the socials was huge. We also talked about it here 
here on last week's episode surrounding SummerSlam. So if you missed that, go back and check it out. So with that said, the groundwork was laid for what could be an interesting road back to the title for Bianca Belair, if that should happen. It started with a fatal four-way elimination match that saw her defeat Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Zelina Vega to officially be named the number one contender. We don't know when that title match will happen, though. One could imagine it could happen at Extreme Rules. I have to be honest with you, I'm not sure that Becky Lynch will win the title like that and then turn around and lose it at the next pay-per-view, but time will tell. We'll see what happens, and we'll see if there seems to be more money and interest in Bianca chasing the title versus immediately winning it back. We'll find that out. The other big story coming out of SmackDown is what's going down between Roman Reigns, The Bloodline, and Paul Heyman with the return of Brock Lesnar. Well, we did not get Brock Lesnar actually on SmackDown this week. What we did get was some apparent tension that seems to be building between, say, the Usos and Paul Heyman. Which way this will go, I don't know. And you could argue that Heyman's loyalties could very well be conflicted, as, of course, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, has played a significant role in the resurgence of Paul Heyman on television. The other side of it is we all know the two-decade relationship between Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. So this is going to get very interesting. I want to see how this is going to play out, and I don't know which way it'll play out, right? Will Heyman end up siding with Brock Lesnar and turning on the bloodline? I actually think we're going to see Heyman stay with Roman Reigns and he's going to ride this gravy train for as long as he can. We don't know how long Brock Lesnar will be in WWE. We don't know if he's really interested in a full run as champion. We do know what a Brock Lesnar run as champion means and what that has meant traditionally in WWE. It means Lesnar holds the title hostage and isn't on our televisions very much. Does WWE want to do that right now, particularly with this huge deal with Fox? I don't know, but it all makes for very intriguing television. The other big thing that happened on SmackDown is we got our first look at the new NXT logo. There are some people who are making comparisons to In Living Color. There are others who have all sorts of thoughts about it. My thought is this. What does the new logo mean for NXT? Does it mean that the action and caliber and quality of action will change? I can tell you one change that's already happening that when I heard about it after watching last week's episode of NXT, it made me very concerned. NXT is going to have a wedding, folks. It's going to be a wedding on NXT television. In the history of NXT, there's never been a wedding. We don't do that kind of shenanigans in NXT. That's reserved for Raw or SmackDown. And we know that pro wrestling weddings never go smoothly. It doesn't matter what promotion. WWE, AEW, Lucha Underground, it doesn't go smoothly. So I don't know what this means for the future of NXT. Uh, there are certain folks in higher positions who may have thought that they need other things to do ratings. And apparently in the WWE world, it's not believed that pro wrestling is enough. So I wonder what 
what all of this is going to mean. We'll find out in two weeks' time when NXT returns to a live format. Of course, tomorrow night will be another taped show. So we'll see what happens with that. And last week's NXT, by the way, I thought was incredibly entertaining. I thought to some degree it might have actually been better than NXT TakeOver, which is a weird statement to make, but a statement nonetheless. So with that said, that's a look at SmackDown. Now then, of course, after SmackDown went off the air, you had AEW Rampage, which, you know, I've got to tell you, I think we all wondered what would be the future of AEW Rampage after the two massive weeks that they had, right? Week one, seeing Christian Cage defeating Kenny Omega to become the Impact World Champion. It's the first time Omega has lost a match in nearly a year. Then following that, last week, the return of CM Punk. So what major thing would AEW Rampage have for this week? Well, I kind of sensed that you can't really follow up those two things. What else big do you have, right? Particularly on the road to All Out. Well, we learned a couple of things. First of all, it was a taped episode. The episode was taped in Milwaukee the same night that Dynamite was taped. And I've got to say this, both AEW and WWE just present different shows live versus taped. It's just the way it is. And such was the case here. Now, there were a couple of important moments, particularly we know now who will be battling the Young Bucks inside the steel cage at All Out for the AEW Tag Team Championships. And that would be the Lucha Brothers, who had an amazing match against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. I like the team of Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. I like the resurgence of the Lucha Brothers. And I think this tag team match is going to steal the show inside of a steel cage no less it's going to be epic so that's not something that you're going to want to miss for all out next sunday couple that with of course several taped interviews for cm punk darby allen and a tag team match at the end that had kenny omega and brandon cutler taking on christian cage and the elite hunter frankie kazarian i don't know that the match means a whole lot I don't know that this episode of Rampage meant a whole lot, to be perfectly honest. We didn't really move very many needles, and I'm waiting to see what the ratings for this look like. I'm sure it's not the million plus that they got last week for CM Punk. Next week's episode of Rampage will be live from Chicago a couple of days before All Out, the official go-home show. So I think there will be some energy in that episode. The Chicago fans are crazy. It's going to be interesting to see where Rampage goes from here on in. But I do like some of the things that are happening. We do have to expect that they're going to be taped shows, etc. So interesting times for AEW. We'll take a look at the ratings once they come in. Now then, let's get over to the NWA who made massive news this weekend. Attention wrestling fans, join us for SHW 31, Friday, September 3rd at the Action Building in Canton, Georgia. The final stop before our anniversary show. Still here three. The SHW title will be on the line as David Ali defends against the winner of the 2021 Rumble Jack, Austin Towers. Gunnar Miller faces his largest challenge yet as he goes one-on-one with Lethal Poison 
McIntyre gun, Cheater. Former members of the Honor Society clash as Jordan Kingsley takes on Cyrus the Destroyer. Two of the Southeast's brightest stars collide as AC Mack faces the heathen, Logan Creed. Plus, the Petty Party returns with a self-proclaimed tag team championship celebration hosted by Ashton Starr and Zicky Dice. Also in action, technical excellence, Rekka Tahaka, Joe Black, Owen Knight, All-Star Special, and more. Trust us, you don't want to miss this show. Tickets on sale starting at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7. Bell time at 8. SHW. This is our wrestling. All right. So the NWA had a jam-packed weekend. Two pay-per-views back-to-back. First, there was NWA Empower, followed by NWA 73. We're going to take the rest of today's episode to talk about NWA Empower, and then we'll come back tomorrow to talk about NWA 73. I want to be fair to all brands and all promotions. Because of the magnitude of last weekend, we had to split it up over three episodes. Because of the magnitude of this one, we're going to split it up over two episodes. It's only right to do. So with that said, let's dig into NWA Empower, which was part of a two-night situation happening for the NWA from the historic Chase Coruscant Ballroom in St. Louis, Missouri. So this weekend for the NWA saw a whole lot relative to history, and history is really important relative to the NWA. In fact, I think the NWA brand has spent more time trying to build on its history versus building towards the future, which is another conversation for another day. With that said, though, that's what made this weekend so significant. It's their first pay-per-view outside of Atlanta since the return of the NWA. It is significant because it's the most fans they've had at a pay-per-view or an event, certainly since the pandemic kicked off. And it was interesting to see what would happen as this was the first ever all-female pay-per-view in NWA history, led by Mickey James with also huge producers in the background like Jazz and Medusa. It's set up to be an incredible night. And so let's just get into some of the matches and then I want to get into some of the significance of it. So of course, Mickey James opens the show with a powerful promo that really set the tone for the entire night. Being told that she couldn't do this, being told that women's wrestling won't draw, and she turned around and showed everybody that they were wrong. As this entire pay-per-view was sold out it was really quite awesome to see and to mention this was an interpromotional pay-per-view multiple promotions coming together reminding us of the power of the forbidden door of course that AEW opened but really before AEW opened it the NWA opened it with their work that they were doing with Ring of Honor several years back So then, it starts off with a triple threat match between Kylie Ray representing the NWA, Chick Tormenta representing AAA, and Diamante representing AEW. And I should say that these are the three promotions that were on display this weekend for NWA Empower, which is massive when you consider that AEW sent their star power over to the NWA. Diamante wins that match, and I thought it was a great match to start off the show, really again showing the power of women's wrestling with three great performers here that went back and forth. We also saw the semifinals and finals of the NWA Women's 
Tag Team Championships, which was resurrected for the first time in almost 40 years, as the last time we saw that championship was 1983. The team of the Hex, Allison Kay and Marty Bell, defeated Hell on Heels. That was the team of Renee Michelle and Sahara Seven. To kind of give some clarity for those who have not been watching the NWA, Renee Michelle is the wife of Drake Maverick. And we saw Renee Michelle, of course, on WWE television for a while after Drake got married, as Drake was trying to, you know, win the 24 7 championship, remain married, et cetera, et cetera. She's an accomplished wrestler in her own right. Sahara Seven has done some great, great work, has recently been featured on AEW Dark. I love the tag team of Hell on Heat. The Hex on the other side are NWA faithfuls. Interestingly enough, both of them left the NWA late last year to pursue some other ventures. They're both free agents. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that the NWA did not work during the pandemic. They were not getting paid and they deserved the right to be able to apply their crafts Elsewhere, We would see Allison Kay end up on AEW television for a few episodes. We saw some other moves for both Kay and Bell where they're back together as a tag team known as the Hex. And they would win that match, moving then to the finals where they would take on the winner of this match, the Free Babes versus Red Velvet and Kylan King. The Free Babes are a second generation tag team that features Jazzy Yang, who is the daughter of Jimmy Wang Yang, and Miranda Gordy, who is the daughter of Freebird Bam Bam Terry Gordy. So right there, there's enough to want to watch this match because I wanted to see what these two were do. Now, let me just throw something out there that you may not know. Jazzy Yang was a part of SHW 30, our most recent show. She participated in the Rumble Jack alongside her father. So, yes, I did get the opportunity to call a match there for Jazzy Yang, who is only 18 years old. She's been trained by her dad, and I think she's doing some pretty amazing amazing things as an 18-year-old female. Seeing such legacy with her and Miranda Gordy teamed together with Hollywood Haley J in their corner proved to be interesting against the AEW team of Red Velvet and Kylan King. Let me talk a little bit about Red Velvet and Kylan King. I think this was a significant team sent from AEW for a couple of reasons, right? AEW wasn't necessarily going to send, obviously, their women's champion for this event, but who they sent... I thought was of great significance, right? Red Velvet, who just had an AEW World Women's title shot just a couple of weeks ago on Rampage, that's significant. Kylan King, who has been doing quite a bit of work on AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation, they made for a great tag team and they would get the win over the Free Babes, setting up the title match between Red Velvet and Kylan King versus The Hex, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Gail Kim comes out as she was one of the backstage producers for this. She came out, was interrupted, of course, by Taryn Terrell, Genocide, and Paola Blaze. And coming to the aid of Gail Kim would be the returning Awesome Kong, who we haven't seen much of in the last couple of years. We saw Awesome Kong during the debut of AEW. Then we would see her, of course, as a part of Glow on Netflix, but we haven't seen much of her since. She came back, did some powerful work, and then announced her retirement at NWA Empower. 
showed a lot of love to Gail Kim, a lot of emotional moments during this entire show. That was definitely one of them that was a newsmaker. So no more return of Awesome Kong. She's done with the pro wrestling business. And it's kind of sad. Like we absolutely enjoyed what she brought to the table. And it's leading me to another part of the conversation that I'll make sure I come back to before this is over. I'm sad that we did not get to see the potential run that we could have with Awesome Kong and WWE. That run there was cut short by her pregnancy and she never really returned. All right, so with that said, we now move to the Impact Knockouts Championship, which I forgot to mention that among all of the promotions that were present, there was AEW, there was AAA, the NWA, and Impact, as the Impact Knockouts Championship was defended for the first time ever on NWA turf, as Deanna Perrazzo defended successfully against Molina in what was an incredible match. And I think we have to acknowledge that Deanna Perrazzo is really special, that NXT really missed out on not really pushing her as they could have, as she continues to show great dominance. And let me also throw this out there. Tessa who? Right. Did we forget that Tessa Blanchard, of course, at one point held the Impact Knockouts Championship, the Impact World Championship, but the legacy of Tessa Blanchard and Impact is being forgotten about, not just because of some of her craziness, but because of the absolute dominance of Deanna Perrazzo. So shout out to Deanna Perrazzo for really stepping up and filling a void that was necessary. We move then to the women's tag team title match as the Hex took on Red Velvet and Kylan King. Your winners are Allison Kay and Marty Bell. The Hex, they become the new NWA World Tag Team Champions on the women's side of things. The first time we've seen that belt active since 1983, almost 40 full years there. An incredible moment for two superstars who have been part of the relaunch of the NWA. It only made sense. Congratulations to Allison Kay and Marty Bell. The night ends with a women's world title match as Camille, the champion, defended against AEW's legit Layla Hirsch. Another incredible match that we saw here that saw Camille retain the championship. And I said the night ended there, but it didn't because the actual main event was the first ever women's invitational gauntlet. It was a 10-woman gauntlet that would see 10 superstars battle in Royal Rumble style with someone coming out every two minutes. And then the only way you could be eliminated was not by being thrown over the top rope, but instead was by pinfall or submission. It involved Chelsea Green, Kiara Hogan, Bianca Corelli, Thunder Kitty, Genocide, Lady Frost, Debbie Malenko, Jamie Senegal, Masha Slamovich, and the hometown favorite, Tootie Lynn. The last two would be Chelsea Green and Tootie Lynn. Of course, Chelsea Green has been doing work in Ring of Honor and in Impact. And now Chelsea Green becomes the number one contender for the NWA Women's World Championship, where she would fight Camille at NWA 73. What an incredible, incredible night of action. And so there were two things that really stood out to me. Well, three things. One, I'll say this, I think the NWA is still trying to figure out the best way to handle production and commentary. It has been my fatal flaw with the NWA. 
I know that they are very interested in, you know, maintaining tradition and having an old school feel. But I think you have to be able to master certain elements of production. They had pretty much two or maybe three cameras. There was a hard camera. There was the camera that was going to be taking care of the ring entrances and then there was the camera that would be around the ring so three cameras i would say the nwa has to invest in their production the wrestling action was great the production and commentary that is something that they have to work on and the reason why is everyone else in the business has stepped up their game all of the other brands have made production super smooth so when it's not smooth it becomes evident i think that was the fatal flaw with the NWA all weekend though they are trying to step up I think they're gonna have to invest in better elements around the production with that said for a night that was this massive no video screens at all for the folks there in the NWA and that to me again kind of reeks and they've got to be able to update that because again Those types of things are why people pay attention. When production everywhere is great, you really have to make sure your production is on par. With that said, with production and commentary issues, that would be my primary point of feedback for the NWA because the other takeaways was that it was an incredible card from start to finish. Production issues aside, The NWA delivered and brought us something that we have not seen on a national scale since, of course, WWE's presentation of an all-female pay-per-view, which was called Evolution. And that pay-per-view in 2018 was significant, but I don't know why we haven't had another women's pay-per-view like that for the WWE. I think the NWA was very smart here. They filled a necessary void. There's not been an all-women's pay-per-view on a major scale from any promotion since 2018. And I'm not counting Shimmer because Shimmer is an all-female promotion. That's what they're going to do. But to watch a male-dominated promotion give you an all-female pay-per-view event is significant. I think it also showed us that women's wrestling is alive and well, just as the entire wrestling business is alive and well. There are a lot of people who are making a lot of noise talking about how, you know, AEW and Impact and all these places are being built on former WWE stars, which I just have to say, if you're not working at WWE, don't you deserve the opportunity to work in another space? So I think we got to get past that argument and get past that explanation. With that said, I think the NWA did a phenomenal job of bringing in the right elements from Impact, the right elements from AEW, the right elements from AAA and of course showcasing the NWA and other independent wrestling stars we got to see a lot of wrestling talent here a lot of wrestling talent and I think for Chelsea Green to win it made sense we got to see Kiara Hogan we got to see Red Velvet Kylan King and a lot of other fantastic superstars Deanna Perrazzo It was great. Let me tell you what else I thought was great. I thought that it was amazing that the producers of this show, who were all wrestling legends, chose not to get in the ring and put themselves over. 
I thought that was huge. When you have people like Mickey James, Jazz, Gail Kim, and Medusa, who all could get in the ring, who all could sell tickets, who all could get pay-per-view buys, they opted to stay in the background and produce and allow the current talent to make a huge splash. And that was incredible to me. What's also incredible is when you consider those four names, the wrestling legacy surrounding Mickey James, surrounding Jazz, Gail Kim, and Medusa Michelli, it made me ask the question, and it's time for this conversation. Did women's wrestling's evolution or revolution actually begin either outside of WWE or long before that little period where the socials started talking about it? And I'm going to say that the answer is the former and not the latter. I have to say after watching this pay-per-view that the WWE's marketed presentation of a women's evolution or revolution did not begin in that time frame. It didn't begin in 2016 with a hashtag that said, give divas a chance. It didn't begin then. It didn't begin in NXT with Paige becoming the anti-diva. If you look at those four women and how they produce this show and their wrestling acumen, it says to me, this began long before. It certainly began when Medusa Michelli was a Lundra Blaze and was having epic matches on Monday Night Raw against Bull Nakano that they still won't talk about, right? It began happening with Jazz and Trish Stratus in the WWE having stellar matches that did not look like Divas matches or brawn panties or mud matches, right? They actually were having great, great matches. And then when we talk about the women's evolution, we often forget about impacts, impact, right? TNA, Gail Kim and Awesome Kong, what they were doing in 2006 and 2007 was not happening anywhere else in pro wrestling. They had some kind of feud that, again, was not related to divas. It was related to incredible wrestling action. The reign of terror that Awesome Kong had, the dominance that Gail Kim had, what was happening in the Impact's knockout division was not getting the type of attention it should have gotten because of WWE's well-marketed diva situation, give divas a chance, etc., etc. I'll say one other thing. I think it's unfortunate that WWE did not continue their commitment to women's wrestling. And I say, how did they not continue it? Because we got a one-off pay-per-view from them. Evolution, a one-off pay-per-view, which was a great pay-per-view, a great concept, was never followed up. Why wasn't there an Evolution 2019? Since they were recreating everything in the pandemic, why wasn't there an Evolution 2020? Why is there talk of a Queen of the Ring tournament in Saudi Arabia, which just, I can't even get into that on this show. But I'll just simply say this. It is clear that women's wrestling is alive and well and WWE isn't the sole home of it. The NWA gave us something that we'll be talking about for years to come. So I want to suggest to you that if you have not gone on to Fight TV and ordered NWA Empower, 
you should go do that simply because it was historic. It was great action. And it will show you that women's wrestling is alive and well outside of WWE. All right. I want to hear your thoughts on Empower from the NWA. Hit us up on the socials at The Faction Show and let us know. The next time we come to you, we'll have a deep dive into NWA 73 and the significance of the NWA's massive weekend this weekend and what it actually means for them and the sport of pro wrestling. We'll get into all of that on our next episode. We want to hear your thoughts, so hit us up on the socials at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on all of the socials. And we'll see you next time as we represent for my good brother, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. Pause. A special happy belated birthday to our good brother, Courtney Beard, who celebrated a birthday last week. We love Courtney and can't wait to get him and Clack back in here so that we can have more spirited conversations, as is our history here with the faction until next time family representing for my entire crew i'm your man gp gerard bonner and this is the faction